Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. Andrew Birchfield grew up around ministry. He discovered that ministry wasn't just a church thing, but a kingdom thing. He watched the lives of mentors and learned the value of great leadership. Join Andrew and Doug as they discuss ways you too can lead well. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. Andrew, it's so good to have you on today. Thanks for taking the time. Man, Doug, I am so greatly honored to be here with you and everyone listening today. And um, I really, I'm just, I'm grateful, like you just talked about, for for leaders who have not only laid that foundation, but have been willing to let younger guys like me and those around um, in our generation kind of take us take a shot at this thing, you know, called leadership and called building the kingdom. And um, you know, similar to it, it's all, there's always two groups of people. Anytime I get around, it, it seems like everybody knows Tommy and Rachel and everyone knows Doug Strainer. It's like everywhere you go, somebody knows Doug Strainer. So those are always my two kind of common ground pools. You either know my parents or you know Doug. And I'm just grateful for you and Lisa and your life and um, just what you guys are doing. Just a lot, a lot of great stuff happening. I am so excited to have you. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about your journey, because obviously when you grow up as a Birchfield, and so you live in this, this shell of constant activity and ministry and people tugging on you. You've had to learn how to set parameters, as it's been said, the tyranny of the urgent, but also at the same time being sensitive to those around you and knowing how to minister to them in their time of need as they also serve with you. Tell me first, though, about your personal revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. Sure. We all have to have our own individual place of coming to that revelation and encounter with the Lord. How did you first come to this revelation and realize that God that was doing a work in you and you had a revelation of the work of the cross? Yeah, that's a great question. And it really goes back to just the power of the cross, the power of the gospel. You know, I'm like many people, I was uh, raised in a Christian home, like you mentioned. I mean, it was for me, it was out the womb, you know, straight to the pew kind of a situation and uh, born into a ministry family. Uh, church wasn't, wasn't an option, you know, and you didn't volunteer, you were voluntold. Like, this is what you're doing, you know? And at the time I, you know, rolled my eyes to the concept of always being around church. And now I can't think of anything absolute greater as I have a wife and, and kiddos of my own, you know, to think that how tangible the power of God truly is. And you mentioned about that kind of generational gap that we're facing right now, that transition. And so for me, you know, I was, I was saved at an early, early age and, and really, really loved Jesus and knew who he was. But then because of uh, my surroundings, I really got to see the power of God at display all the time. I mean, you know, in, in, in those days, the, the camps were so massive and they were so many. I mean, we were doing as many as 18 camps in a summertime. And you would see and really kind of the way the structure came was you know, there, there was a lot of great camps for a lot of great, the, the, a lot of the denominational um, elements and the Baptists had their camps and the Methodists had their camps. And that was great, but there was really no place for the spirit-filled, independent, non-denominational churches to gather and see the Holy Spirit at work. And that's really what God has so graciously um, allowed us to do for so many years. So for me personally, I was around all of that, man. I mean, it was like, it was almost became this idea of what's the Holy Spirit going to 
do tonight kind of a thing, you know? And it was just every single night there was miraculous things taking place. And I was probably around, um, I was probably around 12 or 13 years old. And I remember just that moment of just realizing this thing is bigger than me. And it was probably the reality and the time when I, when I caught it, this is not just a church thing. This is a kingdom thing, you know, and really, uh, really elevating that perspective. And then as I got into my teenage years and high school and, and even really early into college, I just knew that um, the only way that people were going to experience the power of God and the true, you know, the, the Bible clearly states that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings people and that convicts their hearts and brings them into repentance. But but if we don't have a way to have an avenue for the Holy Spirit to move, then, then he can't do that. And I just knew quickly that leaders were the ones responsible for opening that door of opportunity for people to walk through and see something they never have. And some of my favorite stories, and that was really my story, was just I knew about God. I knew his word. I was a faithful in church because that's what I was told to do, you know, quote unquote. And um, but it wasn't until I touched the power of the Holy Spirit and I saw that at play. And then I saw not only how that changed my life and just wow. And then when things did come up, as with any uh, adolescent, you know, figuring out life and temptation would rise I really had a strong enough backbone to recognize where those lines were and where those boundaries were. And, um, and even in today, like I am just like the scariest thing to me is a leader who does not have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. I just think that is a ship without a rudder. Yes, there's great principles. Yes, there's great, awesome people who can make, you know, sound decisions and wisdom. But to have that, that wisdom, that foresight, that knowledge, that direction, um, um, I just that's what I'm passionate about today is just saying, you know, hey, how do we how do we let the power of God show up in a way where it's not always massive altar calls and crusades he can show up in the boardroom? He can show up in the doctor's surgeon table. He can show up absolutely anywhere. And um, so I don't mean to get on a, on a preach real quick because that can happen pretty fast here. You got two preachers on a Zoom call. But um, I, I just I really believe that this day and age that the generations need to see the power of God. And that was my story. I saw I saw the Holy Spirit at hand. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm looking forward to seeing him do more and more and more to come. You said quite a few things I want to kind of touch on. And the thing I've noticed over the years, because of all the years that you've had the camp and the facilities and the ministries, that it has become more than just our typical charismatic, spirit-filled independent churches. I see a lot of denominational churches and groups that actually come to your camp and utilize the facilities as well. It was actually golly, maybe 30 years ago, there was a camp and I was asked to come speak at it. And there was a group of combined group of churches that were there. And there was a pastor named Keenan Smith that okay. was there as part of that. He then later went to the power team and now is pastoring out in Crosby, Texas. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, and brought on uh, park. It was there in, uh, from Deerbrook that time. I remember Keenan's told me since then that there was something that as I was ministering, I just had a, a word for him. And in that word, because there was a liberty to share this way at your camp, I just shared some things with them. And he's told me all these years later that something that I said to him, and that, that word directly for him, wow. that word of knowledge, that uh, he literally it changed the trajectory of his life. He went on with the power team for a period of time, went on to do other things and all over the world, and now is pastoring a great church in Crosby. So awesome. we just never know how those moments that if we have given the liberty of the Holy Spirit to move, 
can literally impact someone's life and the lives of multiple others because of that. Absolutely. No doubt. I, I love hearing stories like that. You know, you do have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I think that that is, um, that is a skill that I do believe has to be developed, you know, and really recognize, especially for high capacity driven leaders, you know, who always want to just take, take control and, and take the charge, you, just to be sensitive and to have a place. And I mean, that that's the mission of what we do at, at Birchfield Ministries International is we're here to build and bless his church and Acts 16.5 and the church churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in number daily. And especially after a season like we've all gone through just recently with uh, the pandemic, or as we call it, the great pause, you know, like I think there's a lot of leaders who are questioning and trying to figure things out. And I know that the Holy Spirit is gracious enough to drop that insight to all of us of where we go and what we need to do. That's a good segue too, because is the great pause, the pandemic, and so many are questioning their calling, sure. not just in the world of what we call min- vocational ministry, but there are many others who are in marketplace ministry and others sure. doing things that it really took us to a place of having to really dig deep and look at the plumb line. And we're, if we were really tethered to the Lord, as Jesus said, to prune the tree for more. It's not that it, you prune the good for the better. And so sure. sometimes God was doing a pruning in all of us and to get us to reevaluate uh, what we were doing and how to be more effective. At the same time, you know, when the, there's such a vacuum of godly leadership, I think it's so important, and I want you to address this, that we encourage one another to continue to persevere with courageous leadership because Absolutely. there is such a vacuum today. Yeah, it is. It, I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have set that up better. And I think that really, what I'm just reminding people to do is that you know, especially marketplace ministry and and the world, you know, the 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 internet is the greatest tool and the greatest blessing, and it is the worst enemy and biggest curse all at the same time. You know, and you do have to know how to navigate the two, but in a quiet quitting great resignation type mindset where everyone around is questioning what they do i want to just remind leaders you can question what you do but you are not allowed to question whose you are Mm -hmm. and you belong to the lord jesus christ and he's the one that called you into this thing called ministry in whatever capacity that is you know whether it's in the pulpit or in politics he called you to follow after him and to lead with a tenacity and a courageousness and a braveness that that part didn't change. The pandemic didn't change that part. That part remains. Now, if we pray into and we discuss and we strategize where is the best way that we can be most effective for the kingdom of God in today with everything that's unfolding, yeah, that's a brilliant, great question. And I think you should pray. And actually, if if we're just being honest here on this on this podcast with leaders, I, I want to give leaders permission not to feel this pressure to perform the way they used to perform, because the landscape is totally different, Doug. It's mm-hmm. a new day. It's a new era. Churches are different. People are different. Corporations are different. We got the biggest conversation in corporate America today is whether people come to the office or stay at home and work. I mean, let's let's think about that for a second. Like we've got some massive, massive things to go through. And I just want to deliver people and specifically leaders from this pressure of feeling like I got to go. I got to go. I got to do. I got to do. I got to I got to make this happen. We just kind of a personal word for us in the 
ministry right now, which has been so beautiful, is that in this great pause, I don't know if you remember in the Old Testament where King David um, is literally taking on the massive responsibility to return the Ark of the Covenant back to its proper place where it should have been the entire time right and in that in that place where he's moving it there's the bible talks really specifically about how he would move six steps and then he would pause and then he would give sacrifice and then he would move another six steps and pause and give sacrifice and that has really been really where we have been for the past two and a half years now is just saying okay holy spirit this kind of goes back to being sensitive to what the holy spirit what what do you want us to do now mm-hmm. next step Okay, pause. What do you want us to do now? And just being okay with that and being recognizing that he told you what to do the first time. And however long you did it for that first round, guess what? He can tell you what to do again. And I think if leaders that have ears to hear will really recognize the signs of the time and the transitional aspects of where we are and how the generational uh, aspects of where we are and the cultural and the economy aspects of where we are. There's a lot of things shifting right now. And my my fear is that leaders will just continue to plow on as in, okay, great, we're back, you know, quote unquote, and totally miss the potential of the harvest that is available to all of that seed that we've planted for so many decades like this is the time to start gathering harvest folks but you have to gather different than you plant and i don't want leaders to miss that wow that uh there's a lot in that that i want to kind of move into as well but you know when you were telling the story of the ark of the covenant and that king david the process in which they had to recover from the philistines that had been stolen after ichabod the glory of god had departed from Israel. And so they were recovering the ark. These are not just stories. I think this is a good time, especially in the world that we're going through such uh, divisiveness and challenge and people's hearts are overwhelmed right now to look at some of those stories that were real incidents that took place that God uses as landmarks for us to learn from. In fact, a friend of mine on the call right now works in the Consul General's Office of Israel in for the Southwest, and we are at a dedication for the Garden of Hope in mm. Kingwood, Texas, which is Holocaust Remembrance Association. I was actually there, and there were some friends of mine from Israel that were there, and I've known them for, golly, maybe 25, 26 years, maybe longer, and it was 22 years ago that we were there when the Second Intifada started, But it was also during that time that I was invited by this friend to go into Obed-Edom's home where the Ark of the Covenant did rest in that story when they were recovering the Ark of the Covenant and stood in that very spot and had me minister to all these leaders that were there. And I was thinking, I look back now and think, you know, I'm just there and I'm okay, sure. But I look at the significance of moments. Tell That's me, a bucket list. <laughs> tell me some some things that were landmarks or moments that helped kind of give you the direction of the place of calling and leadership that God's put you. I mean, I you know, I'm a member of the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters. You're, sure. you're on the board or on the board, and sure. we've interfaced a lot. But yeah. what took you from being this young guy that grew up in the church and just loved church, and then God put you in this place of leadership? That now others from all different arenas of the seven mountains or the seven spheres of the culture have looked to you and your parents for leadership. Man, it's been it's been a, a, a humbling honor. There, no, no doubt. Number number one, I think it first starts with, and I'll maybe unpack it from here. I think it first starts with just someone who's willing to say yes. 
someone who's willing to take on the responsibility. And, you know, in, in the book, I talk about a leader is someone who accepts the terms and conditions that apply with leadership. And, you know, we all have to go through when you download a new app on your phone or computer or something and you scroll through and they say, do you accept the terms and conditions? And most people don't know what they're clicking yes to, you know, but they click yes and off they go. And I think leaders have to do the same thing. And a leader's life is first surrendered to the Lord Jesus. And once it's submitted and surrendered to the Lord Jesus, then he gives you opportunities to, to go through there. And so, I mean, for, yeah, for me, landmarks were, were just kind of this idea, you know, I started kind of in the television space and broadcast and we were, we were creating young believers broadcast at the time. And the NRB was a massive, massive opportunity for us and, and just being faithful and kind of going to those conventions and, meeting people and then one day I get a tap on the shoulder and a guy hands me a note and says uh, you've been asked to be in this room at this certain time and I'm like okay this is kind of random and weird kind of you know James Bondish but sure let's go with it see what happens you know so I show up to this meeting and um, it's a small meeting there's only like you know 25 30 people in there and then I have no idea what this meeting is all about I'm just sitting in this big kind of boardroom kind of a thing at the time I was like 23 24 years old and um, just really trying to pick up the context clues of what's happening and so they go around the room and they say okay we'll just introduce yourself what you do and and you know just a little bit about yourself and so uh, you know not to be disrespectful but everybody in the room was easily in their 60s 70s you know something like that and so they get around the room and, and I'm just this young guy sitting at the table and um and they and I say, hey, my name's Andrew Birchfield, and um, I guess the one thing in common is that we all have gray hair, you know. And I got a I got a massive, massive laugh from the room, and it was in that moment. Then they said, you know, well, we've invited you here because we think you would be a really great candidate to be on the television advisory committee for the National Religious Broadcasters. And I was like, what? Wait, no, wait. I like I'm just I'm still trying to figure out how to get the show into countries. But it was the opportunity that presented itself. And I knew that because my steps are ordered, because I'm surrendered to the calling of the Lord, that he is going to guide those steps day in and day out. And he placed me there, you know, and then with the camp, it was we're directing, we're doing stuff there. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking for some real policy change in the code for the state of Texas and rules and just, hey, like y'all are doing really great stuff. But have you ever considered what a campus of 1200 kids looks like and some of the nuances that kind of go with that and and no well why don't you come be a part and it just was kind of this the the lord providing open doors and knowing which doors and i think this is key for leaders listening today knowing which doors to walk through because they're opportunity and the difference of knowing which doors are distraction that you shouldn't walk through and we got a lot of leaders wasting their time their gifts their energy and their resources simply because they're trying to walk through the wrong door that was never opened to them by the lord so um uh, landmarks are important they're special they're um they're significant and i think it's a part of this journey you know and i in the book i call them the the marks and the milestones and recognizing what's going on and our one quick story then i'll i'll pause the uh we were finishing up our 30th year of of discovery camp and like you mentioned you know we've seen half a million 
young people come through those those grounds. And uh, I got a call from a producer uh, at CBN with the 700 Club, and they wanted to come out and do a, a story on on the camp and just what God has done through all the years. And and um, we quickly said, you know, yeah, that would be amazing. Come on out. And so they came and and did a beautiful story. And it it's online. You can you can see it if you search it up and stuff. But in that story, you know, I wanted to make sure as a leader navigating our staff, my counsel to them was, hey, we're not getting a big head over this thing. That was just a big thumbs up for you did a good job for 30 years. Now keep plowing forward. It's kind of just the milestone that gives you that thumbs up that says, hey, you're doing good. Keep going. The marathon's not over, but at least gives you that understanding in your heart to know that, hey, this is this is a good thing. Milestones when people like Doug Strainer endorse your book. That's a milestone. That's not something light that you take lightly. You recognize, man, there's something there's something special here and we need to honor it. And I would just encourage everyone have those moments and get away and pray into those moments of Lord Jesus. What are you trying to teach me and navigate through this time of my life and my leadership? You know, when you were sharing about taking opportunity of those doors that open, I was thinking about 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 7, where he says, do as the occasion demands. Sometimes as leaders, uh, we need to know the moments because we can miss moments because we're so looking here and looking there and forget that the moment of Christ's presence is right with us. That's it. That there's opportunities that come. In fact, Dr. Roger Parrott has been a longtime friend as a president of Bellhaven University. Mm. He wrote a book called Opportunity Leadership, which talks oh. about much of what they've done to develop this great campus and university and extended campuses uh, has been about through opportunities that have opened that they didn't want to miss. They didn't want to just yeah. go in their five and 10 year plan as we do in our yeah. linear thinking. But yeah. he went, wait, he goes, what's the moment right now that this opportunity is opening up? that can give direction to, which we didn't expect, to where we're going. And and as a result of that, they've got a a very well-recognized university that's known all over the world. Absolutely. (laughs) So that segues into even the need. I think God brings words. We don't miss those words or those moments or the people that God brings our way because we're always looking for the grandiose. I remember when I was on the board of Sentinel Group that put out all the transformation documentaries and films. Mm. And we were at a gathering in Fort Worth, and George Otis Jr. said, Doug, uh, where's John Melende? Because John and I were both speaking at this large gathering in this uh, this arena. I'm saying, well, I don't know. He goes, well, John's coming up soon. He's Where is he? So I'm looking through this whole big arena in Fort Worth Arena, and I'm looking around, and I can't see him. Finally, somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, Doug, who are you looking for? I said, John Melende from Uganda. He goes, look right behind you, on the row right behind you. John was right there. So here I'm looking everywhere, but he's right there. Yeah. And how many times we do that with the Lord where God's yeah. giving us an answer, but we're looking for these answers everywhere. And his answer is right in front of us in those moments of opportunity, those doors that God opens. So let's move into your gift of leadership, because obviously this is an opportunity that God has been putting in you for years. Yeah. But the moment where we need leadership more than ever before, and it is a gift, we need the gift of leadership. There's a whole lot of people that have, you know, with social media, the advent of social media, and everybody's an expert at leadership, but they've never led anything. That's it. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, I, always, I get a chuckle out of that. People is the, the, so the leadership school of so-and-so. I'm thinking, well, what have you really led? Show me the fruit. Right. You know, people follow leadership. You know, it's the old thing. And what was that movie? 
Oh, Scott, the, the freedom, you know, that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Men don't follow titles. They follow courage. And so we need to be those who know how to lead by example, because people aren't just follow our titles. We can all have business cards with a title. So what gave you this heart to, to draft this book? Tell us a bit about the book, the message in it, because it's not just a book. It is the message that's in there that God's placed in you that is a gift of leadership to people that are leading right now that need to be encouraged. Yeah, I appreciate it, Doug. Thank you. The um kind of the whole the whole backstory of the of the book as a whole was simply that I was in my early mid 20s and I was looking at all these leaders around me, leaders that I admired, leaders that um, I saw not only were being um, very successful and productive, I'm really big on productivity and efficiency and Jesus said, known by your fruit and they had massive fruit, you know, but there was always this disconnect of how do you get from here to there, you know, where's the where's the twenty year story in between, and 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 what would you tell to a guy, you know, like me, just kind of getting going? And I am not by any means saying that there's anything uh, radical or revolutionary in this book, but I will say this: that I just knew that when I was in that early season of leadership, I wanted something that could kind of point me in the right direction of. What is this thing kind of going to be like, this leadership journey? I mean, I became a student of leadership early on because I knew I was going to need it for my destiny, right? And I knew that if I was going to make a difference in the life of people, I had to have influence and to be able to influence and, and just give seeds of wisdom to people. So what what was this thing going to look like? And I taught many, many leadership sessions over the years through camp and through all the different avenues and stuff. And, and I would always get the same question, Doug. It, it never failed people always would come up to us at our organizations and our leadership conferences and stuff and they'd say where do you guys make your leaders where do you get them where do you find them where do you build you know and my answer was always is we don't go get them we build them right here in house because when sometimes the greatest leader you're looking for is standing right next to you kind of like your story about John there your buddy from in the Fort Worth they're, they're right there they just have to be developed they just have to be given opportunity they just have to be given a responsibility and authority to do things and so I just kind of really wanted to create uh, a resource that could be a manual for first time leaders, but also a reminder for lifelong leaders. And I can't think of a better time than right now coming out of this great pause for leaders just to remember what it's all about. Because let's be honest, the leadership thing can kind of go askew sometimes and it becomes, in, it's not just about the title, it's entitlement, right? And it's not about a place and a posture of service. It's actually more of a pedestal of service that you should do to me. And people, um, I remember one time when we were out to uh, barbecue at lunch kind of over in the Pearland area and I asked you, I said, how do you do this? I don't know if you remember this or not. And I asked, I was like, how do you do all that you're doing and, and keep and not just get eaten up by the machine, right? And uh, your response to me was just brilliant. And I remember it and I wrote it down very, very quickly. And you said, you know, it's it's okay for the man to run the machine. Just don't let the machine run the man. And I noted, noted at that time and I wanted to say, okay, well, how does that happen? And how do you make sure that in your life and in your leadership, that doesn't take place. And so um, I, the book is very, very simple. The gift of leadership is simply embracing what someone has given to you 
and then turning around and giving that to somebody else. And it's the gift that keeps giving. And I tried to structure the book in a simplistic way to where my heart and hope is that a pastor would be able just to grab the book, thumb through it and say, man, this is great. My youth pastor needs this or my nighttime manager needs this and my business or just really have a resource that says this is a great starting place for leadership. And so the book split up into three parts. Part one's about leadership and really the anointing and the assignment and the spiritual mandate and the calling that comes with the topic of leadership. Part two is about the leader, you as an individual, the emotional stuff that comes with that, the journey that comes with that, how to set boundaries, how to lead yourself. Most of the time, leaders are great at leading other people, but they're not good at leading themselves at all, you know? And thirdly is the the part three is about leading and just the day to day. What do you do with a team? How do you communicate? How do you set up a meeting? You know, just some basic practical things that Honestly, I wish someone would have given me when I first started in leadership, but I really wanted to provide something. And I'm very grateful that Jesus would entrust me with this message. Um, there's a billion great leadership books out there of most that I've, I've read, such as yours with Leadership Awakening. And But I really knew that if I could talk to an audience at such a pivotal time in history where mantles are passing, <laughs> tides are turning, generations are changing, um, what could I provide that would really kind of be a bridge between both generations, those of founding pastors and leaders to those who are going to take the baton and, and keep things running by the grace of God. So that's kind of the heartbeat of it. And I, I really hope it's a blessing to many, many people. I love the title of this chapter, chapter 14, about uh, vision vertigo, having balanced boundaries and buddies. That is so critical because... <laughs> When I think of those who have written books on leadership and talking about how many leaders don't finish the race well, uh, and looking at that chapter, Vision, Vertigo, Balance, Boundaries, and Buddies, address that for a moment because I think sure. that's so important for all of us at whatever level of leadership we're involved in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, the kind of spool off of it is, you know, simply of, you know, in leadership, you can get very, very repetitive. And I'm sure many of you have done the same thing. You know, I was raised in the country out in Columbus, Texas. And so there's that game that I'm sure everyone's played called Dizzy Bat, where, you know, you take a bat, you put your head on the head, you know, head, head on down on the bat and you spin around it. And if you don't have a bat, like you grab a stick or just whatever you can find. And you just, you go round and round and round and round and round. And then you, and then you get up and you try to walk straight. And Everyone else watching you has the time of their life laughing at you because it's just absolutely impossible to walk straight. You're dizzy. Everything is spinning and you kind of get this sense of vertigo. Now, while I am not for any reason uh, downplaying the actual medical aspects of vertigo, I realize it's a very serious thing and, and, and absolutely is something that should be empathized and sympathized with. But, but for the sake of analogy here, I would, I would just like to present that visual to leaders today that I think for the past decades, we've been going around and around and around and around and around. And sometimes you can get up and you're so focused and you're so faithful that you kind of forget what the surroundings are like around you. And all of a sudden your vision starts spinning on you and things that you used to feel like you had a real grasp on, now you don't. 
and things that used to fulfill you now frustrate you and things that that you feel like God has called you to do. Now you question if it's even making a difference. And so it happens to all of us. We've all gone through a season of it. And if you haven't, you will in your leadership. And so I kind of coined this topic called vision vertigo It's just when the vision feels like it's spinning around you and you're questioning it. And many leaders might be in that season right now coming out of the great pause, you know, just what what do I do next, God? What's going on? Everything's kind of upside down. And so I kind of wanted just to provide some handlebars to hold on to, you know, for leaders to do. And so that's where I really, really believe that balance on the inside, boundaries on the outside and buddies all around kind of came through. And I'll roll through those real quick for you, you know, to have balance on the inside. It's funny that Vertigo, actually, medical professionals say that it actually is begins, everything starts spinning because of something that's happening in the inner ear. The innermost depths of the ear is what causes that to, to take place. And I don't think that's a coincidence that even when our vision feels like it's spinning, it's probably something that is happening with a voice that we're not hearing. And it might be the voice of accountability. It might be the voice of a spiritual father or spiritual mother in our life. It might be the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're not hearing the way you used to. Slow down. My dad used to always teach me, if you if you listen, you will hear, right? Hear what is actually being said and being processed. And um, I like to believe a, a big value of ours is to be spirit first, system second. I'm a big systems guy. I love systems. I love the analytics of things and all that, but that should never, data should never drive you. It should only guide you, right? And if you get to a place to where you can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, you can't hear the counsel, there's probably some things that aren't balanced in you, you know, to have boundaries around you. Dr. Henry Cloud and and Dr. John Townsend wrote the phenomenal book, Boundaries, and they even have a Boundaries for Leaders version. If you've never read it, I highly encourage it because a lot of the times leaders don't know how to say no, Doug. I mean, we just, we love people. We want to help and we want to get out there. Yeah, I'm just, I'm a recovering people pleaser, you know, and um, I'm now at this place to where I, I have a beautiful wife, Amanda, and I have two boys. We've got a little girl on the way. And I'm just in this process of saying, like, I have to give my best self to the things and the people that are most important to me. And that's going to require some boundaries. And sometimes, sometimes the greatest thing a leader can do is just get off social media for seven days. Just get off. Just get out get out of bounds the holy spirit told me to get off in 2018 and here we are in 2022 and i'm still clueless to what's going on out there but you know what life is just fine and everything is just rocking and rolling and there's been this understanding i think that leaders if we don't have boundaries it's it's a big deal buddies is probably my favorite and the buddies concept is to kind of have this idea that you've got people of accountability around you, you know, and you've got people that you can talk to, you can be honest with, you can, you can test. I'm thankful for you being that in my life. You know, I know that if I throw Doug Stringer a text, he's one actually going to respond. It's not going to be his assistant, you know, who we're thankful for. Thank you for Belinda and Jody, but you know, that we are, I'm going to get your words. I'm going to get your heart. I'm I'm never, I don't ever feel like I'm a bother to you. I don't ever feel like I'm intruding into your world. That's what a good leader and a good mentor does. And to have buddies around, you know, 
I've had guys who have told me before, like, you're blowing this way out of proportion, Birchfield. Like, you should need to dial it back about 10 notches and quit tripping out. And then I have others who are saying, wake up. You're not taking this seriously, right? And I think to have those buddies around us really helps when the vision is spinning and, and to have trusted voices. Like you said, not just some, just because someone puts life coach in their bio doesn't give them the right to, uh, to speak into anything, let alone your life. So follow the fruit, follow the fruit and follow what Jesus is doing in someone's life. And so that's kind of a little nutshell of what vision vertigo is all about. And lastly, for hope's sake, if you feel like your world is spinning, just hang on to Jesus and it'll slow down and it'll take time, but it'll slow down and hold on to the people that are most trusted to you. People who have been there with you. And my parents always say, take your miracle any way it comes. You know, that might come through just prayer and, and fasting and, and getting very, very in introspective. Um, but it might also come with, with professional help through medication or through therapy. All I'm open to any option, right? I want the option that gets us whole and well as a leader and keeps us moving forward for the things of God. So uh, yeah, a little bit of nutshell there. Too many times in the culture today, especially with the advent of social media, everybody's looking for lots of buddies. Yeah. You said, and it was a great word, trusted relationships, because there are so many people that I, that I have to talk to on a regular basis that they don't know who they can trust anymore. And I'm talking about yeah. marketplace people. I'm talking about successful business leaders to athletes, sure. to pastors, sure. um, that they don't know who they can trust anymore because everybody wants association for credibility. Yeah. But they really aren't a buddy because if you lose, you no longer have the title or the position, they're out of there. They're going to go find somebody else. Yep. So it really is about kingdom relationship, isn't it? It, oh, it so is. And I mean, really, one of my favorite things that has happened over the, over the years, probably to you too, and that's always that I would even if I'm allowed to ask you a question, that would be my question back to you on this call is, how do you manage relationships with so many people in so many spheres of influence? And, you know, some of the greatest people that I have met have been, I didn't know who they were casually, you know, just sit next to them on a plane or, you know, bump it into them at the, the Starbucks line or whatever. And hey, what do you do? And it's either those God divine connections and or relationships that have been introduced to me through other trusted voices. And that is time and time and time and time again is probably something that I'm just so grateful for. Um, yeah, you know, I'm so thankful for Phil Cook in the in the TV space of things. He's been a great mentor and friend to me for so many years. I tell a great story about him in the book, but I mean, had it not been for Phil introducing me to the right people, not just people, the right people, um, it's just so crucial and important to recognize that those people are there. And too, honestly, you know, some of these people that everybody thinks is just so hot shot and you know behind the scenes let me tell you they're not all that <laughs> and they they would actually rather have your life than you have their life and so i think just being content and just being at peace with this is this is where you are right now you can either change it or enjoy it and choose which one you're going to do for the day and um and and be okay with that you know and i think for for the life of a leader which is probably the next episode is ambition is the most dangerous drug for a leader 
And if we do not know how to detoxify ourselves from that concept of ambition, I am now in a place, and I, and I don't know if I could have said this, honestly, if just being transparent, I don't know if I could have said this five, six years ago, but I am more content wrestling with my boys on the floor than I am holding a microphone in on a stage in front of thousands. Mm-hmm. And there is something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whew, you're going to get me weepy here, buddy. There's something about just recognizing your true calling and recognizing what God has enabled you and entrusted you to do. Yes, it requires relationships, but it also requires a deeper sense of purpose of connecting to the people that he's entrusted you with. And so, um, yes, relationships are massive. Absolutely. I really encourage you to get the gift of leadership if you get a chance, because there's so many rich nuggets here. And it's not written, as I shared uh, with Andrew early on when I was reading the manuscript, it's not just written with uh, a bunch of knowledge or systems alone, although Andrew is a systems guy. I mean, he's brilliant when it comes to details and order. It's really filled by the anointing and the experience because we all often go through crucibles of experience to learn the wisdom that God gives us because every life experience can become a life lesson that becomes part of our life message. So, Andrew, uh, you said in your book, Great Leadership Plants Seeds, Pulls Weeds, and Protects the Fruit. Great short statements. I love that. I, I call them provocabots. I mean, they just yeah. make me to think. I love and it. So address that because truly a lot of people want to lead, but they but it says leader somehow or a title on their card. But how do we actually become a great leader that is not necessarily born, but one who has said yes to God and is developed by the Lord to help be a kingdom leader. Yeah, I think thanks for the opportunity to answer this and go here because I think our perspective of leadership is wrong. Most of the time, what we inherit as a leader, quote unquote, they think it's this ladder of success. And you know, corporate America would probably play into that of I'm climbing the ladder of success. But here's the thing, leadership's not a ladder. <laughs> leadership is actually landscaping. And a lot of people, especially in my millennial generation and below, are trying to climb this invisible ladder so they can go be the keynote at some conference that's not going to exist in 10 years and think that that's leadership, right? Leadership is actually, you're a gardener, you're landscaping, and you're creating something beautiful, and certain flowers grow at different paces and, and speeds, and the soil has to be different and all these things. And so the concept of those thoughts um, is simply that, you know, when you're planting seed, you're not going to see the fruit of that immediately. And there are people that I have planted seed into leadership that I recognize I'm never going to see what God does with their life. It might be years and years and years, but now I'm getting to a place to where people that were on staff with me at camp 10, 15 years ago, you know, are now like, Hey, I'm pastoring a church. Oh my gosh. Like that's, that's amazing. That was a seed that was planted that just gave him the confidence to say, you can do this, man. Like you've got the goods, take care of people. Don't hurt people. Don't harm people. Take care of him. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Don't beat the sheep, love the sheep. Right. You know, and, and planting that seed is something that you do, but, but you're also pulling weeds and you'll pull that 
same guy in, you know, two years later and say like, man, you haven't been yourself. What's going on? Well, I just am not, I'm not reading my Bible and I'm, I'm doing things online that I know I shouldn't be doing. Okay. Let's pull those weeds. Let's get rid of that, man. We don't, you don't need that in your life. That's not a good thing. We got to protect that seed and, and ultimately is protect the fruit protect the fruit of what God has entrusted you with. And sometimes that means, you know, constantly people will come and, hey, can we come and do this at the camp? Or, hey, can, will you come and be a part of this event or this thing? And no, no, I can't because I'm, I'm protecting what God has entrusted we with. It's not, it's not to be disrespectful to what they're trying to do or, or where they're trying to go. But at the end, it really just recognizes like at the end of this whole thing, I got to answer to one person. On that day, I will stand there and I will hear good and faithful servant. Well done, right? Like, that's the only thing that matters. And I think leaders have to make that decision up front. Are you going to live for this day or are you going to live for that day? And to plant seeds, pull weeds, and protect fruit is something that that has to be done all the time. And that that can even go systematically, too, if you want to take it in that lateral perspective. You know, sometimes you've got to start an initiative that you know isn't going to be a return on your investment for another three or five years. And, oh, man, this thing's really right now. This isn't working great. Okay, well, what if we change that department out and change that? Let's get rid of those departments, make them one single group, make them report to that person. You know, just moving things around that really gives you the ability to say, I'm protecting the fruit because all of a sudden, as we saw with the great pause, it can go away like that. Mm -hmm. It's gone. And when you're left, when you're left with yourself, when all of your accomplishments are gone, when your congregation is gone, when your funding is gone and your, your everything, when it, when it disappears, what are you left with? Mm. And when you're left with yourself, and the calling of God to know that I'm a leader and I can make a difference and I can influence people. I think that's a fun place to be in. That's uh, that's a really good place to start. Amen. Wow, there's so much good nuggets here, Andrew. And, uh, you said leadership is not what you build, but rather who you build. So everything comes back. It seems to be there's a common thread throughout your book and your life message that is about leading by serving. Absolutely. And leadership is not what you build, but rather who you build. Yeah, I, I'm 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 not a, I'm not against doing great things, right? I'm not against big companies. I'm not against being successful. I'm not against influence in that you know term of perspective. But I just think at the end of the day, the only thing going to heaven is people, and the only people who have a shot are are the ones that you give opportunity to. So yeah, there's. I'm glad you're you're picking up and resonating with that perspective of of just being servant leaders, because um, that's a real thing. And I mean, not, not, not to take a, take it away, but you know, in, in the, the, like you mentioned earlier in the eighties and the nineties and kind of in this charismatic word of faith world that, that we kind of found ourselves in, um, it really did kind of, kind of take a a position to where the leader kind of was the go-to person, you know, and I think to be able to take some of the good that comes from that and just honor and respecting the anointing on a person's life, but kind of eat the fish, spit out the bones, if you will, you know, just kind of like, what part of this do we really look at? And now it's at the place to where I, I, I firmly believe that anyone can be a leader. Absolutely anyone. And I think that if you are uh, uh, staying at home as a mom or a dad, staying at home, raising your kids, you're leading because you're influencing those kiddos that are underneath you, you know, or whether you're doing a 
Fortune 500 company with hundreds and thousands of people and you're making decisions that are going to affect people's lives, you're leading. And um, I think that leadership is about, like you said, not what you build, but who you build. And if you build a great, awesome, amazing church that's massive and multi-campus and Oh, that's just amazing. But you don't know the names of the people that are walking, you know, right up to you and you don't have relationship with people and you're not building people. You're just building a big, but that building's going to, it's going to, it's going to disappear one day. It's not going to be here. It's, it's gone. You know, that like, then, then what, what does it really value? What does it really mean? And, um, I'm, I'm just thankful for people, which everyone on this call, we could, we could go through and list one by one. There's somebody who gave you a shot, that gave you an opportunity, that said to you, man, you're good at this. Man, you should go that direction. You should do. And I just think if more people can do that and take that mindset of, of servant leadership the way Jesus did, um, wow, how amazing could uh, could we do? And I think that leadership is the missing ingredient of absolutely revival, of culture change, of economies and policies and everything around it. And anytime you go back, the missing ingredient to me is always going to be leadership. And so I feel like if we can make more leaders and make them whole and well and keep them healthy um, on this journey, then we can see some really great things take place. I found too, and I loved how you alluded to this, that you know i just turned 66 i tell people 50 for the 16th time there you go (laughs) uh, recently and some of the greatest joys in my life have been from people i had never thought i'd ever see again but people i had somehow had uh, was able to sow into their lives give them encouragement uh, and help direct them their path people that could never at the time give back to me i mean there's nothing there was no uh, immediate reciprocity, so to speak. Sure. But I felt compelled of the Holy Spirit to invest in them. And so now all these years later, some of these people that are now married grandmothers working with AIDS babies in India, or yeah. you know, recently I've been at various events and people walk up to me and say, I don't know if you know me, but I came to all the nights every single night when I was a kid to Houston Prayer Mountain for 40 days when you had that in Houston. Or my parents would drive all the way from Conroe every night. And and you think about these people or people that you took me off the streets when I was homeless. And today I'm a very successful business person or, you know, you hear these stories and that's really what gives us the joy. It's not all the accolades, oh, totally. not all the pats in the back, but it's those kinds of stories of people at the moment had nothing to give you, but you invested in them because the Lord put it in your heart to invest. And then you see the fruit of that. And that's what brings great joy, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it does. I mean, even to to take it right back to you and boomerang it to you is I remember I, I had I had heard of the name Doug Streener for years. I absolutely knew who you were and what you were doing. But the first time that we actually met face to face, I don't know if you remember this, was at Engine Radio. We were at KSBJ in Houston. We were doing a, a, a invite leadership uh, focus group for them. And you walked in the room and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, that's Doug Streener. Like this is this is really cool. The whole the whole coolness of the atmosphere just grew. And and, um, and it came over and I said, I said, hey, Doug, you don't know me. I said, I'm Andrew Birchfield. And you cut me off. Do you remember this? I don't even know if you remember this or not. You cut me off and you said, oh, I know exactly who you are. And you're doing great things for the kingdom of God. Wow. 
I'll never forget those words. They imparted into my heart so deeply that, I mean, it would take surgical procedures to, to bring them out. And, you know, you didn't have to do that. You could have waltzed in as I'm Doug Strader, look at what I've done and not at all. You didn't do that. You, you influenced and you gave a young leader the ability to do something that very few do. And that's the ability to believe in themselves. And so, yeah, those are the stories that matter. And that's what makes the difference. Well, I'm going to have you close with some final thoughts, Andrew. And uh, I wanted to get into this question, but you're, everyone's going to have to get the book. Those on the, listening to the podcast or watching our YouTube are also going over our Transforming Leadership material. Chapter 16 is called Legacy Starts Today, Five Behaviors Great Leaders Do Daily. So we don't have time to get into that now. But <laughs> I encourage you to get the book, The Gift of Leadership by Andrew Birchfield. Five behaviors great leaders do daily. Ben, I want to go back and reread that because I had forgotten through the manuscript, but I want to reread that because that is a great point of things that, you know, it's tools for us to hold on to sure. when we're maneuvering through the difficulties. We're all going through unexpected detours. We go through challenges in our personal lives. And so we need those tools by which to help us get through the, those moments and maneuver through them. So, Andrew, thanks for being with us. Would you just give us some closing thoughts and, and pray for those that will be on our podcast and those that will be watching the videos and in our leadership gatherings? Yeah, I'd be honored. And, th and just thank you, Doug, for absolutely everything that you've done all these years for the kingdom of God. No one um, that I know personally has been more faithful and more consistent to a, a long reaching vision, you know, uh, not just the mission, but the vision. Mission's what we do today. Vision's where we're going tomorrow. And you've just really sewn into not just me, but I know thousands and thousands of leaders around the world. So I just want to say that. Thank you so much for that publicly. I would just say too, I mean, really for everyone in this season, in this time is my battle cry, if you will, my PSA announcement, my alert on your phone, whatever you want to call it would just be give yourself permission to slow down. Just give your, we only get one life. Let's live it fully and let's live it with presence and not just the presence of ourselves in the moment, but the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. Uh, and the difference is that the God idea is anointed. <laughs> the good idea is going to take a lot of work. But the God idea is going to be infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would just encourage you, you know, kind of let the let that let that kite fly. You know, you ever try to fly a kite without without wind before? It's not really a beautiful experience. You need the wind of God to come through and do something and, and just to really give yourself the permission to slow down. And to, yes, make the drastic decisions, the drastic cuts, the drastic understanding of where you are in, in the world today. But um, I would rather be, I, I, believe, I believe it was Brother Hagen who used to say all the time, um, I would rather be in the will of God late than early and not in the will of God at all. You know, and I just think that being in that in that time and in that place is a good thing. So uh, thank you for it. You can go pick up the book at thegiftofleadership.com and uh, actually for all of your listeners too if you use the word gift at checkout you're going to get 20 percent off um, there as well just a kind of a gift to you guys and i just really would encourage us as we pray let's just continue to remember that leadership is a collective thing it's not an individual thing we need every type of leader we need every anointing that comes with that leader and some leaders are big, strong, and loud, and others are very strategic and silent. 
They're both needed and find your leadership voicing, find the type of leadership that you want to be and uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to navigate that. So um, let's pray and we'll just Andrew, have, before uh, you pray, I was yeah. just focusing on the notes that Dan Davis, who had been a city council member in a, a city in Brazoria County, said that as a child, he used to go to Discovery Camp. Oh, man. It was it was literally a milestone in his life. And so wow. that's another one of the fruit of the things that you, you have invested in in your, your ministry. And so I'm sure you have thousands of reports like that of people that have impacted all over the world that have been impacted all over the world. So before we pray, would you give us and tell us how people can get a hold of you or contact your ministry? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, the easiest thing. So the ministry, you can go to birchfield.org and that's the greatest place to kind of keep up with us and what we're doing and and uh, some new exciting things that we're really excited about for, for the upcoming year. And uh, and then for me, it's just andrewbirchfield.com is the best place to go there. So um, you can go to thegiftofleadership.com for the book and anything else. And I just really am, I'm just honored. Thanks again for this opportunity. This has been fun. So Andrew, thank you again for being with us. Pray for us and close us out. And I'd be honored. Thank you, sir. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the first opportunity to be ambassadors of you to our cities and our nations. We don't take it lightly that we get to uphold that name, that name that's above any other name, the name that gives us the ability to lead and to lead with confidence and boldness. And right now, I just pray for a fresh perspective for leaders listening. I pray for everyone who understands their gifts and their callings and that you would even begin to put new things in. And I just, I think that as the Holy Spirit begins to challenge perspectives, we know that your word says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that are to come. And I would just challenge, Father, all of us right now to just have an awareness of fresh perspective of what could be, where we could go, what we could do, while still upholding the mission and visions that you have given us for years before. I thank you for strategy. I thank you for the right staff, the right teams to come around these great leaders. And I thank you, Lord, for the continuing works that you're doing through all of us because of the work that you did on the cross, the finished work. We're thankful for it. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that we have today so we don't have to lead alone. Bless everyone here as we step into our endeavors and our visions. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.